calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Get a quote at AAA.com slash insurance and save by bundling auto and home. Hey, everyone. This is John Rocco, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a season finale spoiler review for Peacemaker from the Geek Buddies! (gasps) (laughs) Good, that's good. Yeah, well, we did the first four episodes earlier uh, a few weeks ago, and now we're back to wrap up the season Talk about the season finale in the last few episodes, kind of connected to the season finale overall. We're excited to jump into it. Uh, let's introduce ourselves first. I am the outlaw, John Roker, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. Michael. I am Michael Vogel, writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies. Shannon. 
And this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a television actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and Silicon Valley. And this is a spoiler review. So if you have not seen the show, go and watch the show on HBO Max, then come back and join us. And before we jump into it, want to give some love to the people who are sponsoring us and powering us. That is Carbon Health. Thank you so much, Carbon Health. A fantastic place that offers health care to everybody. That's what they believe in. They have 90 clinics in 14 states, virtual care in 24 states. So anything you need to get handled, if there's a clinic or a virtual care ability there for you in your state, they will take care of you. Sometimes in certain states, you even get day of appointments, which is really hard to get nowadays with everybody running to the doctor. They're offering testing for COVID, testing if you're going overseas, and they just want to make ex- uh, uh, health care accessible to everyone so head on over there to carbonhealth.com and uh, let me tell you something after this battle this final battle in this finale quite a few people probably could have used uh, carbon Healthcare, including the miraculous healing abilities of harcourt and vigilante gentlemen don't you think <laughs> I, mean, look. I mean look they ended up in a hospital but i think they would have they would have had a lot better care with carbon health so <laughs> Nice. Well said. Yeah, and I would be curious to know the Carbon Health's plan if an intergalactic butterfly invades your body through your mouth and takes over. Yeah. What's the plan there? (laughs) Antibiotics. Sounds like some of my dates in my 20s. Anyway, all right, so we're going to jump into uh, the season finale here. It's called (laughs) It's Cow or Never, which is I think is a a perfect um, uh, time to drop this because we had Baz Luhrmann's Elvis uh, a trailer dropped today, and It's Cow or Never is a version of It's Now or Never, which is one of the famous Elvis songs. Of course, that phrase has been around before, but uh, that was one of the famous Elvis songs. So I like the kind of synergy of that overall. Also, I think a Warner, a Warner Brothers pictures as well, so it kind of connects. Um, so we're going to jump into all of this and, and break it all down for you uh, uh, for sure. But let's get the overall thoughts first. Mike, let's start with you. Overall thoughts in this finale and how we got here over these last four episodes. Uh, I mean, overall, I think this is great. I think Peacemaker is absolutely an amazing show. I think James Gunn knocked it out of the park. I think it is one of the best pieces of entertainment um, as part of the DC cinematic universe. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, look, I think what they did with this show, uh, I think they did more successfully with Peacemaker than Book of Boba Fett did with Boba Fett. I I think that both of these shows dealt with someone who up until this point when the show starts is more or less a villain and took them on an arc to uh, deepen our understanding of them, deepen uh, our emotional connection to them and put them in a different place at the end. And I think we got to the end of Book of Boba Fett and I think we had a lot of questions. And again, I think I said in our review of Book of Boba Fett, I'm happy where we ended up. I'm excited to see where they go with Boba Fett, but I think it was a little bit of con- of confusion on how we got there. And I think with Peacemaker, they ju- James Gunn went in there and said, this is who this character is. We're going to reveal why he is the way he is. We're going to break him down. We're going to build him back up again. And I think they kind of made us fall in love with him. So mm-hmm. I think they absolutely knocked this thing out of the park. Yeah, Shannon, I mean, what a season finale here. As Mike just pointed out, they kept the vibe, the rhythm, and the feel of the first ep- seven episodes into this episode they did not change the point of view they didn't all of a sudden become this melodramatic finale or this super sympathetic finale very much kept the vibe overall yet still managed to touch at hard or tug at heartstrings yet still managed to wrap up some stuff like aquaman sleeping with fishes all these kinds of things happened here throughout this finale and yes like mike said 
Some people got a great evolution, kind of like a you know a caterpillar to a butterfly. They evolved as people here. How did you feel, except for Vigilante, of course? How did you feel about this finale and the uh, last few episodes overall? I mean, I thought it was outstanding. Um, and, and and something that James Gunn is very good at, and it's it's easy to forget if we haven't just seen one of his films, like one mm -hmm. of the Guardians films or or the Suicide Squad to a lesser degree, um, is. His, his ability to connect broad comedy to heart. Mm. And that's something that his writing that, that he did exceptionally well. I mean, there's a joke. I believe it was in the first episode, a joke that I was kind of like, man, it didn't really land. But the way they were able to keep it going and actually connect it to a very big sort of vulnerable character moment. I was like, oh, my gosh, like that. I was wrong. Like looking at it from looking at it, taking a step back. It's like that he did exactly what he set out to do with that. And John Cena is not uh, a performer that I've always held in the highest regard. I, mm. I do think some of this comedy work has been pretty good. I, I haven't loved his more serious moments. Um, like even like Bumblebee, I, I, like when he, when he was being funny, I liked him when he had to kind of, kind of like be a hard ass. I was like, man, eh, I don't really believe this. Um, he had some, he had some great uh, dramatic moments in this. I'm like, we already knew that he could do comedy, but the way that like James Gunn, he was able to connect the heart to the comedy. It was really, really impressive. And it seems like um, John Cena could be on the, could be on the same path that uh, the rock and Dave Batista have traveled on before him. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And that seems to be uh, what you take out of this uh, first season, I would think so. And especially this finale is he's really come into his own as an actor with James Gunn directing him. It may be a director situation where they both kind of work together so well and he and, and uh, Cena trusts him to take him to the places he has to go emotionally for a character like uh, like Christopher Smith, like Peacemaker. So I like that kind of combo with both of them. And we'll see if this yields something more for John Cena down the road. Something and we just saw, for those of you who watch Reacher, you saw a big dude. Could he emote and convey emotion as strongly as Cena? I would say no. So the, so the fact that you've got a guy like this who can go to these places in a believable way where you're not straining to give him the benefit of the doubt, but you're being blown away by this guy, that speaks volumes about what he was able to do in this show, what James Gunn got the out of him for this show and they just approved a season two and i was reading an interview with james gunn here i think in deadline and he said we wanted to wait john and i wanted to wait until we kind of cracked the story for season two before we committed to coming back now how much of that is true or not i don't know but the fact that the timing the drop in the season two announcement right when the finale of season one drops you got to figure that they had that settled for a little bit so it may be true that they needed to work it out and john needed to feel comfortable coming back to reprise this role and that there was a story to tell here that was worth it to continue doing a season two. And I think a lot of us, or maybe all of us, are happy that a season two is coming. And, and let's jump into this, uh, and I'll go back to you, Michael. John Cena asked Christopher Smith what he's been able to do. Coming into this finale, he shot his father in the head, committing patricide. Adebayo, he finds out that Adebayo is the one that was that hid the diary and kind of embarrassed him. He's changing his mind on Economos. His connection with Harcourt is growing more and more. Vigilante's even more of a sycophant for him, so he's figuring all that out. Uh, and now he's got to walk into this finale here and deal with the ramifications of the butterflies and somehow figure out how to do all this with only four or five helmets 
Eagerly and three or four or four four other people. I mean, what was your impression of him throughout this finale? How he handled himself and how they played the storyline out with him over the last few episodes. Well, I think what I I think what I'm most impressed about uh, with the way that Cena is playing Chris Smith uh, and the way that um, and the way that uh, James Gunn wrote him is that. Like if you get if you dive into therapy, you learn that like people have a traumatic event early in their lives, and oftentimes when they have a traumatic event, they don't mature beyond that in some way. They kind of stay a part of them stays stuck there. So like Peacemaker, when we saw him in the Suicide Squad, was kind of like a giant kid, kind of an infantile character, and yeah. we all kind of laughed at him and thought he was dumb. And at the beginning of the show, when we pick up with him, that's who he is. But in the back half of the season. We see with him and Vigilante, like mm. the reason these two get along is they act like they're 10 year olds. Yeah, they're still like back every... in high school or middle school. Or yeah. Something. yeah, I mean, I would say middle. I mean, well, what, what's interesting <laughs> yeah. is the more that they reveal about Peacemaker's past mm -hmm. and you see the age that Peacemaker is at when right. his brother dies. And then you look at him and the way he acts and the jokes he makes and the way he gets upset about things. And to Shannon's point, I think this is where the comedy and the heart do kind of come together. This is a show about two dudes in superhero costumes that are acting like pre-adolescent kids. Mm. And that's really funny. But when you find out why he kind of hasn't progressed but beyond that point, and you kind of see how this is just a hurt little kid who's dealing with like a shitty father and the death of a brother and just never matured beyond that, like is stuck at that point in his life, you still get all the fart jokes and all the funny things he says, but all of a sudden it's kind of tinged with a whole lot of sadness. Mm -hmm. And to sort of have this really kind of sad portrayal of this character who's sort of stuck at this point in his life, uh, surrounded by the batshit craziest stuff in the world, and to balance that out and have all the action and all the funny and all the, like, it's like the fact that they managed to thread that needle and the fact that they managed to have this really interesting character piece mm. that really delved into this character that most people even hardcore dc fans don't necessarily care a lot about um and actually made us all care to care about him so much uh that i'm thrilled that there's a season two and to a lesser degree all the other characters you have all these characters who 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 thought when we saw harcourt and economos in the suicide squad that any of us would really give a shit about them one way or the other yeah, uh and even at the beginning of the season you're kind of like yeah okay that's the characters in the suicide squad i don't really know how i feel about them but they're great. Adebayo, like, you're like, you're so invested in her. You're so invested in every single one of these characters. And even when you get to the finale, you have that big reveal with why the butterflies are doing what they're doing with Groff. And you're like, I'm not even mad at them. Like, there is enough emotion here that you have sympathy and or empathy for every character while we are at the same time laughing our asses off at just blatantly over-the-top graphic violence. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, agreed. And, you know, we've got an arc that we deal with here with Christopher Smith, Peacemaker, that I think begins with him killing Rick Flagg in the Suicide Squad. Clearly, this is the arc that they're dealing with. He is now questioning, finally, why he's been sent to do these things, what price he's paying in order to commit these crimes to supposedly keep the peace or save America or whatever. He is now seeing the price, which he sensed 
the killing of Rick Flag. I think that's such, when you talk about therapy and talk about an initiating moment, or that seems to be the moment that initiates this self-reflection that is going on through this entire series here, Shannon. He has this, you know, he has the conversation with himself in that second episode where he's slapping himself, and then it goes further and further into the uh, into kind of analyzing how he's reacting to things, having people call him out, having hardcore call him out, having out of bio call him out. Um, and, and kind of exploit and then having his father dealing with all the ramifications of his father to at the end of this uh, uh, episode here at the end of the finale, he has gone through this journey and his father is still with him, but maybe on his terms, the butterfly golf is still around and eagerly, of course, has survived this whole situation. And you sense that this is a different peacemaker now who is he was going to do things that he wants to do. And he's no longer going to be a pawn of other people. His dad, Amanda Waller, the government, whatever. He has kind of come out to be his own butterfly and spread his own wings. How do you feel about how they handled that over the last few episodes into this finale, and through the finale? Well, I think going into season two, like, yes, he, he definitely has made progress. But yeah. The fact that he's still seeing the 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 ghost of his dad means he's still a work in progress. Like there's still going to be there's still going to be work he has to do, which is going to be you know enjoyable for us as an audience mm. to witness. Um, you know the whole thing where he was talking about, and I believe it was actually in episode four where he was talking about how he pushes everyone away, how you know yeah. he, he always he it's like he can't help himself because the the more we see how he grew up, that's the behavior that was looked favorably on that mm -hmm. you do you do pick on people you do you know you do attack the weak um and and so to watch him slowly accept the friendship of not just yeah. vigilante like he learns to trust Adebayo he he learns to look at Harcourt as more than than an attractive woman but yeah. as but as a a person and and a capable soldier yeah. and you start to see that he has he starts to acknowledge um the cost of his dye beard joke hmm. with um with uh economos um which i mean with that that whole dye beard joke, i was just like that's just such an unimaginative name um but then going to the fact that he, he is sort of a victim of arrested development that this hmm. is a joke a 10 year old would make and then you get to that great moment at the end where um uh economos is dressed you know dressed up like a like a butterfly like in that uniform and because he has to tell the truth. I mean, again, real kudos to to James Gunn, planting those seeds early yep. on about when a, when a butterfly comes in, they get your memories. Um, the fact that he has to sort of uh, confront, confront this thing that he has done. And you see some great acting by John Cena, like with the camera's super tight on him. He's, he's fully seen the damage that he has done to this guy whose job it is purely to support him. Yeah. Um, just really, really great stuff. And again, the fact that it's layered with so much comedy, like there's, there's never, there's never, a, there was never a dull moment in the series. Yeah. And you know, what we see there is him confronting the same ridicule his father heaped upon him. He is finally realizing that he has heaped upon other people in his life. He's making the connection now that he is a, a essentially a product of his father's raising and those things that he hates about his father, he's doing to other people. And now he has to take a look at himself and stop that. And certainly that's a, that was such a great acting moment by Steve Agee 
and by John Cena, both in how he's revealing himself, the vulnerability, and how Cena is reacting to it and processing it and really grasping what is happening here. So that shows growth, which is great to see. Let's move to bio. What a fantastic job by Danielle Brooks here in this character, really coming into her own over these last four episodes, leading in the finale to that moment when she grabs those two guns and says, because I was made for this shit, and goes and handles business. How do you feel that they took her through this journey here as Amanda Waller's daughter coming slowly into her power over the last four episodes, certainly in the last episode, feeling the guilt about having placed the diary, and then when Chris finds out the confrontation, she has to deal with them doing raspberry fart jokes at her expense while they're in the car right off the bat. But she becomes the kind of hero in this uh, thing by putting on the helmet, the torpedo helmet, and then, be, of course, missing the first time and then eventually being sent <laughs> by Peacemaker into the big caterpillar, which I think is a little bit of payback for planting the diary, to be honest with you. Uh, how do, and, then, and then ends up with her going after her mom publicly on TV, essentially becoming a new Amanda Waller, but a good a new version of Amanda Waller. What did you think about how they pro uh, how they took her through this journey here, Shannon, in through through the last episodes and in through the finale? I mean, Adebayo was really the audience. I mean, she's she's point. it was it was uh, it was through her character character's eyes that we're getting the introduction to this crazy world, despite the fact that she did have some secrets, which we found out early on. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. she's the daughter of Amanda Waller, and you get the sense that this is this is a good person. Like, this is a person who has resort. This is a last resort for her. That's why she's doing this thing that she doesn't necessarily love to do. Um, and, and I really think that if if Peacemaker's not wearing the helmet, I, I do think Danielle Brooks should because we got a couple yeah. of good moments. Um, the the revelation that Mern was a butterfly right. it came as a result of uh, Adebayo having the uh, X ray the X ray vision helmet on. Um, yeah, I thought she she, she did a, a really wonderful job. And the moment where you did, especially at the end, after you see that the wig, the wigwam song, the "Do you really want to taste it?" like the the uh, carnage um, yeah. that the the trio of hardcore vigilante and peacemaker just inflict on inflict on the butterflies, and then uh, Adebayo getting her own moment, like pick, picking up the two the two uh, pistols and saying like I was made for this shit. And then putting the helmet on, like you get like, all right, we're so into this. And then you get a great sort of slapstick, broad comedy moment of where she flies right past um, <laughs> and into a rock wall. Um, yeah, just Daniel Bricks just did did a really, really nice job. And I, I got to tell you, in that last sequence, there were moments I'm like, oh, does everyone not make it out of this? Because at this point, yeah. you know, I, you know, we had had heard there was going to be a season two prior to watching the last episode. It was just like, Oh no, I hope, I hope we get the band back together. But at this point from a story, from a story perspective, it's like, yeah, some of these characters have earned really great deaths if it happens, but I sure hope it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. what do you think, uh, uh, Mike, about how they handled, uh, her character out of bios, uh, growth and progression herself coming into her own, her own becoming her own butterfly there when she grabs the two guns. And then later on when she has that press conference and then reunites with her, uh, with her, uh, significant other and the two dogs there, we see that this is a, a more composed, a more confident, a more now clear, uh, person who knows where she's going. What did you think about how they handled that through the last four episodes of the series? I mean, I mean, I think, I think, I think I said this when we did our first review. I think mm. that uh, Danielle Brooks was amazing, and I think Adebayo is kind of the heart of the show. I mean, like obviously, 
watching Cena's uh, play Peacemaker and seeing him just sort of get more and more exposed emotionally is is the main driver. But I think that her from the get go, being someone who's not a part of this world, kind of getting thrown into it. To Shannon's point, she's like our eyes into the world, yeah. but she's also really morally conflicted. Like she's at heart a good person who's being asked to do something that's not great. And I mean, whether that's the diary moment or it's the Harcourt moment where Harcourt's like, right. you gotta kill somebody. Like watching her sort of navigate what the right thing to do is. And she kind of points this out all the time. She points it out with Mern, mm -hmm. where she's like, you took over this dude's body. Like you killed this dude to take over his body. Pe Peacemaker starts giving her shit and she's like, I'm being judged by people who just kill people. Like, you know, she's, but but she's in the middle of all this with all of them and really trying to figure out what it is to do the right thing. And I think that like, I'm gonna give Gunn a lot of credit here in that one of the things that DC has not been able to do as well as Marvel or Star Wars or one of those other things is they keep kind of like getting, doing these start stops where they're just trying to get their heavy hitters off the ground. Right. And they're not even giving, they, which means they don't have enough time to devote to anyone else. With this show, not only did they take Harcourt and Economos from the Suicide Squad and actually fully flesh them out to characters that I would be more than happy to see show up yeah. everywhere in the DC universe moving forward, yeah. um, just like Coulson in, Shield, in, in Marvel movies, but with Adebayo, they took one of the most iconic characters in more recent DC memory in Amanda mm -hmm. Waller gave her a daughter, gave that daughter a really compelling emotional arc, yeah. and then had that daughter do something that forever changes yeah. Amanda Waller's role in the DC Cinematic Universe. Like, outing Amanda Waller and uh, in such a public way and outing Task Force X and outing the Suicide Squad and what they're doing means that forever forward, whether you do more Suicide Squad movies, wherever you go with Peacemaker, like, you don't get to maintain the status quo. Mm -hmm. Like, James Gunn blew it up. Amanda Waller is in some shit. She'll probably get out of it because she's Amanda Waller, but just like exposing Lex Luthor as a supervillain, Amanda Waller's been exposed. She's been exposed by her daughter, and all of a sudden, a relationship that I didn't know even existed yeah. before episode one of Peacemaker, I am now so engaged in that I want to see more DC movies because I want to see what's going on with Task Force X, Amanda Waller, Harcourt, Economos, and Adebayo, never mind the superheroes that we want to see. Whoa! That's a huge statement. Somebody clip that out and put it on the internet. Michael Moore admitting he wants to see more DC movies now, thanks to what James Gunn has done. And certainly I was reading that interview where James Gunn said after he does Guardians of the Galaxy 3, he is going to focus on TV only for the next year. So there will be more from him because there's the rumors of a spinoff here. He says it's almost 100% done uh, in terms of locking down the negotiations and signing the contracts for another spinoff off of this Suicide Squad universe. So there is more to come from James Gunn and what he's constructing, which is great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and just really quickly, I mean, I know I've been talking for like 10 minutes, but we talk about this a lot with the Star Wars uh, reviews about what Filoni was able to do with fleshing out the clones and Ahsoka and creating Cad Bane right. and Bo-Katan and Mandalore and all the things that he made up that were not, hey, here's the Jedi that you're showing up to see. Right. But like these characters and these storylines really kind of took our imagination and now cut to today where we're all obsessed with Mandalorian and the Darksaber mm -hmm. and what's going to happen and what's like stuff that nobody who was into Star Wars 15 years ago thought about at all. And I think what James Gunn is doing is kind of filling the DC universe with stuff like that. Yeah. That, I mean, I can see a world 
if DC gets their shit together, where as the multiverse happens and Superwoman, Supergirl shows up and we get the Michael Keaton's Batman is running around, what the fuck kind of world is it if Autobio is now the one that has yeah. to deal with some of that? Yeah. Like that to me is so compelling and so interesting that that's the kind of stuff that gets people really engaged in your universe yeah. on top of seeing all of our favorite superheroes brought to life and run around with awesome, amazing effects and uh, storylines. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that, you know, Viola Davis is, is, a, is this is an, this is an actress of some note and some um, a demand that people want her in these more kind of higher profile films, higher profile, higher esteem type films. So for her kind of to slowly be moved out and have, uh, have uh, Adebayo move in, it would not be a surprise to see that happening. So that could be something that could yield a lot of or bear a lot of great fruit down the road. Shannon, let's move over to Economos and Harcourt as we, as we kind of finish up talking about the whole team. Because Vigilante's not much to say. He stayed who he was, jumping out of a window with his with his without any pants on at the end there. And he might have some sort of superhero healing power that he can get shot and get healed within a few hours. So I think that's going to be revealed in season two that there's more going on with Vigilante. He's pretty much a flat line. But with uh Hart, with the Harcourt and Economos, some changes within them both. You mentioned the con where he reveals the beard, and we have this really great vulnerable acting moment from Steve Agee, really revealing what probably a lot of people have done in their life. Those of you, who, those of us who have body dysmorphia, those of us who have like judgments of ourselves that are pretty harsh, you know, we kind of like wear stuff or look and kind of put certain angles next to you. You don't want people to see you in a certain way and you think you're fooling them. Well, him, having him reveal all that was really powerful. Having him break his leg randomly out of nowhere, yet still crawl onto the battlefield to throw the torpedo helmet at, uh, at a bio was so great. And with Hardcore, we see last episode, she kind of became the leader of this of this uh, task of this version of task force x or of peacemakers crew and led them into battle did all the things and then ended up getting shot and then later in the hospital room we have her have a, a real a genuine amount of emotion she is now as michael said earlier she's learned to trust she's learned to care about this team to be a part of this team she was kind of a solo person now she's actually built some trust here so so much change for both of these characters how do you feel they they handled that through the last few episodes and in through the through this finale i mean i thought hardcore was toast I mean, at, sure. at, at the end, I mean, anytime, yeah. in, in, anytime a character on screen coughs up blood to me, it's like you're dead. <laughs> um, but watching, yes, watching the progression where she had a very sort of, she had a mainly sort of adversarial relationship with Peacemaker as well as Autobio, um, watching her sort of transition into this leader uh, yeah, it was it was really, really fun to see. And they, I, I did think it was funny when uh, Adebayo was talking with Amanda Waller and she goes, she goes, OK, uh, Hardcore, you're in charge. Yeah. And then when <laughs> Viola Davis or uh, Amanda Waller says, says Adebayo has to stay behind. And it's like, oh, yeah, because that's your kid. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but then uh, Steve Agee as well. I, again, like he, he, he was consistently funny throughout, but it was yeah. really that moment where um, they're in the van and are, are, yeah, they're in the van and they get that photo that he now has on his desk at mm, the end. Yeah. With him vigilante and peacemaker. Like you see the connection he makes uh, with Christopher Smith through, you know, through music and then watching again, that just such a, just such a great acting moment from Steve Agee where 
as you said, John, I mean, he he is having to reveal all of these things that he's self-conscious about, like yeah. the whole thing about like, you know, why do you why, why did why did this person that you took over do that to their beard and going through like, well, he thought it made him look younger and he didn't always buy the best product. And like you see you see the tear yeah. down his eye. I mean, really, really, really impressive work. And as someone who, you know, I, I, I keep a little five o'clock shadow i only shave when i have auditions for specific roles um i call this the double chin camouflage um <laughs> as as someone who actively does this um i i fully uh fully understood where the character was coming from at that yeah. point yeah that's why it's why i buy a lot of black shirts exactly <laughs> these are the things that we do and and so it's connected but also mike with you look at here economos kind of the quiet hero of the group right i mean he's the one that comes in with the chainsaw and kills the gorilla he's the one that uh hits um hits uh, oh god what can't remember his name uh the judo fighter master? judo master judo man he's the one that hits judo master with the truck it knocks him out the first time around and he's the one that crawls on the field as i said and throws the torpedo helmet to um uh, to adebayo before she goes into that uh, barn or whatever that is to handle business there so he's kind of grown in his way as well and then with harcourt that scene where john cena where peacemaker sees his dad throws the poison dart or shoots the poison dart at his dad if that's four episodes ago or five episodes ago, she is berating him and yelling at him and, and telling him, stop being an idiot. This time she's more caring. She's more understanding. She sees that this is a damaged guy, just like she might be damaged, as she alluded to, I think, in episode two about her dad from some of the stuff her dad might have put her through. So she see, we see a connection here. We see growth with both of these characters. How do you think that they stood out here over the last few episodes and in through the finale? I mean, I think you guys nailed it. I think the reason it works so well is that they, like us, when yeah. we saw that first trailer for Peacemaker, we're like, why the fuck do we want to show about this guy? <laughs> True. Like, why? I mean, I get it, and I trust yeah. James Gunn and John Cena's hilarious, but this guy's a fucking tool. Well, then you start the first episode, and Harcourt and Economos are like, why are we fucking stuck with this guy? He's a yeah. fucking tool. It's a punishment, and so, right? Good so <laughs> them being sort of these cynical people who are like looking down at Peacemaker, and Economos is like, dude, you're stupid. And Harcourt's like, stay the fuck away from me. And even Adebayo's like, you're weird, dude. Like every single one of them is looking at Peacemaker the way that we do. And yeah. as we're watching the show and we're falling in love with Peacemaker, yeah. they are as well. And so we are we are on the emotional road that they are on. Like we're all on it together. Um, and I think that's why it's so affecting. And that's why at the end, when Economos puts up that picture of them, mm. you're just like, oh man. That's great. <laughs> and when Harcourt like wakes up and she's like, I heard you've been out there for days and he nods his head and she starts crying and they hold, you're just like, they did such a nice job of a bunch of characters who were inherently broken, cynical, yeah. lost. And as ridiculous as Peacemaker is, there's something so genuine about him that he sort of brought out the best in everybody despite the worst of him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, you see that they're inspired by him in a way because Peacemaker is going on his journey and that inspires them to kind of feel a connective tissue with them because they're going on their own separate journeys in their lives with this situation. As you said, Mike, they both, uh, Economos and Harcourt, feel like it's a punishment. Um, Adebayo is doing this as a job in between jobs because she's not sure where she fits or where she belongs. So they're all, in essence, on a journey here of self-discovery throughout this first season and inspired by 
this mission here with Peacemaker. Uh, I'm going to swing back to you, Michael, and talk about the overall construction of the storyline of the butterflies and how it ends up here in the finale. We see the butterflies have taken over, obviously, a couple episodes ago. They've taken over all the cops and all the, the townspeople that they could. They're all there trying to make this um, make this uh, a, a caterpillar, whatever you want to call it, cow, uh, uh, you know, kind of transport it or teleport it. And so it can be safe in Maine somewhere so they can keep doing the things we're doing. And we lead to this fight between Goff uh, as Detective Song and uh, a Peacemaker. And then we have this conversation. She says, I don't want to hurt you. Come with me. And she explains that it's all happening because they uh, uh, pissed away their resources, their uh, great uh, world, because they listened to people who were talking. And instead of focusing on science, a very anti, she said she was against people who are anti-science and all this kind of stuff. So clearly, James Gunn making a very strong statement here about science, about anti-vaccination, about all these kinds of very topical message. And saying that we want to make the decisions for you because we think if you keep going the path you're going, you're going to die like we're going to die. And in the end, uh, Peacemaker doesn't go with her, but only shoots her, doesn't kill her, uh, kills the sheriff, and then sends um, Adebayo through the, uh, as uh, economist Mike, uh, Mike described, as, uh, through the kaiju there. So you tell me, what, what do you <laughs> think about the overall construction of how the butterflies as a plot device and villain or antagonist work throughout the whole season, especially the last four episodes, and then in through the finale where we get the reveal from Goff of why they're doing the things that they're doing and how it ends up with uh, Goff being the last one to survive uh, licking on that amber. Yeah, I mean, I think that, like, again, this is just really good storytelling where uh, the second that they sort of introduced this idea of the butterflies in the second or third episode at the end, like, where we killed killed Goff's family and then we saw in the final shot, like, that there was butterflies everywhere. There was constantly new information given to us. It was like, okay, well, now Mern's a butterfly. Oh, shit. You know, now Song's a butterfly right. uh, because Goff got out and, and now and now Song goes and infects everyone. Just, it kept escalating, but at the same time, they didn't bite off more than they could chew because they had a really simple solution. Like when you all of a sudden say, hey, hundreds of people are butterflies and there's butterflies across the entire planet. Like what the fuck is your season finale going to be? And right. they like simplified it so easily by being like, there is a food source and if the food source is gone, they're all going to die. That like, And that's just really good storytelling. It, it gives you like a very clear goal. The audience understands what's going on. Everybody gets it. It's really easy. And then you make it the biggest fucking most atrocious looking Pokemon you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> and you're like, all right, well, cool. I got it. And like, it's just, it's Gunn's ability to do something that is, it's like, it's what we keep saying. Like he did it, he did it with the Guardians movies. He's doing it here. He yeah. manages to take something that's so ridiculous and so out there and so over the top and not only present it in a way that makes it really clear and easy to understand, but also emotive. Like, yeah. like, like, like when Mern gets killed, like when they kill Mern in the, mm-hmm. in the last episode and then Harcourt and Adebayo come in and they find the broken butterfly Mern, not like yeah. actual Mern. Like we don't do a death scene with the actor yeah, we've been right, watching, right. we have them hold up this tiny little CG bug and it reaches out its hand and Harcourt like holds That's its right. little hand yeah. and you, we're all feeling it. Yeah. Like we are all a hundred percent in. Um, and then with the whole scene with Peacemaker and Goff at the end, I just found it really, really interesting. I didn't go back and watch the scene with Peacemaker and Rick Flagg at the end mm. of the Suicide Squad, but 
Rick Flag is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna release this information and let people do what they're gonna do with it. Right. And Peacemaker is like, no, that's not what we're gonna do. We're keeping this information. We know better. And he's this scene with Goff is clearly the the inverse of this. Yeah. Goff is saying, "Hey, you're like us. Let, let we know better what to do. We're gonna we're gonna control everybody. We're gonna we're gonna run things." Right. And Peacemaker makes the Rick Flag move here. So that's where you really see how the Rick Flag of it all in the Suicide Squad yeah. comes back around. That he Rick Flag wanted to get all the information out and peacemaker stopped him that peacemaker in the suicide squad would hear what goff said and been like this is it let's do this yep absolutely uh and i think it's really really cool the way that they kind of used and glenn gun clearly had these ideas when he was writing the suicide squad script because when you watch that whole thing you're like fuck rick flag went down like that that's rough mm -hmm. but now where you see where it's taking peacemaker as a character you're like wow that's really really interesting and then i was Honestly, I'm like, I'm so enamored of the show. I was glad Goff got away. Yeah. I was glad yeah. he, she showed up. I was glad Goff showed up. I was, I was like, oh, man, I hope he's got enough of that amber liquid. Like, I hope she's okay, man. They need to find something else for her. Maybe she can eat some Fruit Loops or something. I don't know, but I hope she sticks around for season two. Well, you're on that Fruit Loops kick, aren't you, Lily? Okay, I want to read. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read what Sophie says here because I want to give it full credit. Not long after we arrived, we realized the people of Earth were on the exact same trajectory as our people had been, ignoring science in favor of populist leaders who tell you that the floods and fires and the disease are unrelated to your own actions, valuing profit over survival, treating minor inconveniences as assaults on your freedom. And so we made a vow to do anything we could to change your future. We made a vow to make the choices for you that you were incapable of making in your own to save your people in your world, no matter how many lives it cost us. Shannon, you come for the superhero show. You stay for the political discussion that kind of bursts out near the end of this finale. What was your reaction to how that? Because remember, this butterfly thing is completely created from scratch by James Gunn for this story. So what did you think about how they handled it? And then having this moment here with Goff and uh, and a uh, uh, Peacemaker and then Peacemaker's decision, because remember, Goff would have this inside knowledge because Goff had been in that jar since I think episode two or three, where Peacemaker is kind of beating himself up and having these conversations while Goff is in that jar. So Goff has this knowledge with which to come back on Peacemaker with and almost gets him to go along before he makes all these decisions. How do you feel they handled this, the uh, butterfly storyline to where we end up with Goff being the last of them to survive? So one of the advantages, and, and I'm this is purely a speculative on my part but i i would think as a writer one of the one of the advantages of episodic storytelling versus feature films is you get to sit in these bits of information that are revealed as vogel mm -hmm. had pointed out that you know they were giving us a little bit about the butterflies like you know the first time we see the you know the the bug climb out of the the blown out senator's face yeah. like well, okay so it's aliens and then you find out there's a bunch of them. And because you're telling it week to week, you get to sit in the foreboding of that for a minute. And as an audience, your your, your head kind of goes to the place of, okay, they're the bad guys. They're trying to invade the world. And then you start to see the way Peacemaker re, you know, interacts yeah. with, this, with this butterfly in a jar. You get to see the peace sign and the communication and you find out like the moment with judo master when, when he tries to say there's more yeah. to the butterflies that's that's the really great thing about episodic storytelling 
when it's done well, like yeah. when when you're able to kind of map out your entire season. And I think that's also the advantage of shorter seasons that the streamers and cable series and even network is starting to do yeah. is you can tell a much more satisfying and much more concise story when you know fully we're starting here, we're getting here, we have to fill in the middle. Yeah. And and I think that's why the butterfly story works so well. I mean, the best bad guys are characters who don't think they're bad guys. Yeah. It, yeah. You know, it's it's the it's the Magneto, it's the Magneto argument. I mean, when you can understand the character's point of view, that makes the conflict between the protagonist and the antagonist a lot more interesting. I mean, you know, we you know, we've had this discussion um about Captain America Civil War for years, like right. Team Iron Man, Team Captain America. Yeah. I mean, and that's the that's the that's the cool thing about this type this type of storytelling and yeah. even when peacemaker shot goth at the end there was a moment i was like oh god is is goth dead because you do start to form an attachment mm -hmm. to some of these characters i mean the most interesting the most interesting characters are those shades of gray yeah. versus versus the stark black and white good guy bad guy um, when you get to know people and you get to understand why they're doing it and you see goth's point like yeah you're right you're going down the same path we went down. I mean, it's almost like uh, kind of like, you know, when, when you have a pet, like you have to give your pet medicine. The pet doesn't want to take it, but you know the pet needs the medicine. It's the, it's kind of the same situation. Yeah. It's like yeah. we're trying to do this because you would not do it if you, 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 you're clearly not doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And Annie Chang doing a wonderful job as Sophie Song, bringing that acting, bringing those elements to her performance as golf and then uh, her own character as well. So just great yeah. work by, by her portraying those two different sides of things. And I do want to uh, kind of quote a couple of things here from James Gunn that he spoke about in this interview with Variety when he's talking about the butterflies. He said, I wanted the butterflies to be characters that were as multi-layered as the other characters were. And I think that Goff in particular, as the leader, is a character who I like a lot and find really interesting. She's very much like Peacemaker. And talking about the speech he gave her, he said, I mean, there's so much anti-science there. Anti-climate change to me is the really big thing. Believing that climate change is not affected by humankind, that's anti-science. It's not believing anything that has to do with people who are experts in their fields and have been working their whole lives to do that, whether it's with vaccinations or climate change or whatever. So clearly, this was a very uh, a strong point he wanted to make, and he was unafraid to do so and so i i absolutely commend it when people are so afraid to take stances with their work it's nice to see someone like james gunn who could easily be like oh it's guardians of the galaxy whatever blah 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 or suicide squad to throw something in like this it felt like old school richard donner with a cause to throw into an action film which i really appreciated for me personally so i enjoy that all right let's let's talk about um eagerly real quick and then we're going to get into the finale and the of course the big shocking part of the justice league showing up but <laughs> eagerly i mean mike eagerly first of all the car court is very clear you, the eagle does not listen to you is not going to take that helmet where you need to take but in a way eagerly does drop the helmet exactly where it's supposed to be in a way because that's where the moment with the with peacemaker and his dad happens the connection with Harcourt they find the helmet there and in the long run it leads to or did eagerly mess this where do you fall on the eagerly side of things did he mess up the mission or did he quietly definitely know exactly where to place that helmet I love eagerly very much <laughs> oh boy but eagerly just fucked that up eagerly wasn't like let me drop this helmet in the magical stone of dead father forest land like eagerly 
wherever wherever Peacemaker was going to go, he's going to see his dad. That's on Peacemaker. Oh, fair. That's fair. Um, he could have been anywhere. Yeah. He, I look, but I just, I mean, I love that with Eagly. Like you know, in the last episode, you know, Adebayo had said what the first episode where she's like. Eagle did not hug you. That's not a real thing. Right. And he was like, you don't believe in miracles. And like her big moment in the last episode where she saw Eagly wake yeah. up and hug Peacemaker and like had this intense emotional reaction to it. And we're like, yeah, man, Eagly, Eagly. And we've seen Eagly like in the when they escape Peacemaker's house, Eagly and Peacemaker and Vigilante, like Eagly is right there with him. He's running ahead. He's yeah. knocking people down. Like I was like, this is. Yeah. I, who doesn't want an Eagly? But I love that, like, Gunn never goes fully one way or the other. Like, he's like, look, this is an Eagle that clearly understands Peacemaker. When Peacemaker is sad, Eagly runs and kills something and drops it in front of him. Eagly hugs him. Eagly clearly has a level of understanding. But also, to Harcourt's point, he's a fucking Eagle. <laughs> like, he, he, got, he got the helmet. He flew with the helmet. And just watching all of their faces as they're all like, is this... Holy shit! This is a thing, and then he just veers away. Just, <laughs> it it was such a great moment. It's just it's it's really good comedy. It's like setting up an expect like we all don't expect Eagly to be able to do it again. It's the same thing as I was saying about how he kind of used every character to kind of have the same attitude about Peacemaker at the beginning, and then yeah. we all went on this journey together. We all have fallen in love with Eagly. We kind of want Eagly to do it, but we're also all like a little bit hardcore. We're like, yeah, is he really gonna do this? <laughs> and so the fact that like we all watch this movie or we watch this this TV show where this eagle flies off with his helmet, and every single one of us is like, come on, Eagly, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. Oh fuck, man! Like we were right there with the audience, and it's amazing when uh, when a director can get you right in that spot. Like that's where every director wants you. The director wants you. We all, we've all seen so many superhero shows. We've all seen superhero movies. Most of the time, most of us are trying to guess two steps ahead. Yeah. Okay, well this is where this is gonna go, or this is where this is gonna go. So to get us in those pure moments where we're all just like, I don't know, man, but I really hope he, I hope he does it. I don't know. Like that's, that's good, that's gold. Yeah, I mean the whole the whole helmet sequence with the anti gravity one just flying away. Why do you have a scabies helmet? I don't know. You have a scabies helmet. Uh, and then the only two useful ones, the torpedo one and the boom one, which was great. Uh, that conversation. But yeah, what, what's your feelings on Eagly here, uh, Shannon? As you have seen him through the last few episodes, certainly as Michael pointed out, that hug him. I mean, I thought they were. I you know. You thought last episode maybe he might die for him to come back and then have that wonderful moment. It I was fantastic. Yeah, I know. It. I think a lot of people would have. Uh, how do you feel about how he did it through the finale here? How they? Well, I figured. Well, I figured when Eagly made it through uh, the last episode, I'm like, all right, I think Eagly's solid. I don't think you. I don't think you. You, you injure Eagly and then kill Eagly. Um, but I do like this thing that James Gunn does because it's very similar to what he did with Baby Groot. Like these characters that can't exactly communicate. Um, and so you get to see that you know the the mistakes in that communication. Um, it sure looked like Eagly was going to drop that helmet right, <laughs> right where uh, he was supposed to. Yeah. Um, but uh, I remember in our last review talking about like I really wanted Eagly to get on the action. I'm like I want to see him throw a feathered punch. Um, didn't get that, but we got Eagly pecking dudes' eyes. Yeah. Out. So it was like okay, that's that's right. a that's a that's a that's a mighty good substitute. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's again, it's just one of these characters that uh james gunn is very good at at making us 
care about these things that don't communicate the way that we do. But, you know, you, especially when Adebayo saw Eagly hug Peacemaker in the episode seven. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, Eagly's a great character. And I think getting the whole, getting the whole band back together for season two will probably be a delight. Just keep yeah. him away from uh, Economos's uh, asshole because he she was speaking he was speaking at that he was poking at that for sure in episode seven which I thought was great. Um, I also yeah, go ahead, just really quickly yeah. on Eagly before we move on. I also just love that Eagly doesn't require explanation. Yeah, right. I mean, I think that that's a like. There's a lot of times. There's a lot of times in movies. Uh, DC has been guilty of this sometimes where they feel the need to like explain everything to it. Well, this is why this is, and this character is really this, or this was an experiment gone wrong. And it's just great to be like, here's Eagly. It's Peacemaker's pet. Why is this eagle so smart? I don't know. Maybe all eagles were this so smart if we gave him a chance. Who the fuck knows? But Eagly clearly love loves loves that Peacemaker. Hey, he's the spirit of America. You, you, you can't kill it. It survives. And it inspires belief in people like it inspired out of bio to dial into this team. I, it's, I'm just saying, I'm putting it out there. But I also, um, also let's okay, let's move on to this big reveal. I mean, I, I we get the Justice League mentioned at the beginning of the episode of the finale by um, Adebayo. Can't you send in the Justice League and blah blah blah? I had no expectations that any version of the Justice League was going to show up. But I'll be damned if they didn't show up. Uh, Superman in silhouette, Wonder Woman in silhouette. But we do get Arthur. We do get Barry there with Ezra Miller and um, Jason Momoa. Shannon, he said the F word. They talked about the mission, but we see Peacemaker walk by. And remember, Peacemaker had said stuff about Green Arrow with the bronies and the four-inch asshole, whatever he's doing there. I forgot about stuff, that. <laughs> he said stuff about Batman. He said stuff about Superman and Wonder Woman as well. So when they do show up, what was your reaction, Shannon? And then what do you think about, A, how Peacemaker walked by them and said, you're fucking late, like he's an equal to them. And then second... Um, the thing about the sleeping, fucking with the fishes and Barry saying, well, you do fuck with the fishes. And he was like, fuck you, Barry. So you tell me, what did you think about this whole situation? And what was your reaction when you saw them? Well, again, referring our refer- our first review of the first half of the season, um, the certainty, the uh, I- irritating, irritating certainty that I like <laughs> Jason Momoa. I think I actually said Jason Momoa is not showing up in this. <laughs> he did. Uh, I am thrilled to be proven wrong because when they showed up at first it was in silhouette i'm like no yeah no oh my god it's him and he dropped an f-bomb i don't believe it (laughs) um you know it it, it's gonna be very interesting going forward like because it's they've sort of abandoned the shared universe concept but also Mm. kind of not right no surprise this was always their plan they were verbally saying they weren't going to share no 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 i think so always whether it was going to be effective or not who knows but i think that was always always, that's funny it will be it will be interesting to see what happens going forward um and and again, I think we'll I think we'll get a lot of answers when the Flash comes out in November about how yeah. about how interconnected they want they want their uh, their films and television shows to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I mean I could tell that wasn't Cavill, um, but yes. that silhouette of, of Momoa, I'm kind of like, okay, we're saying that that's that's Jason Momoa's Aquaman, and sure enough, it was Jason Momoa, 
And um, yeah, I mean, that's 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 like Barry to make a joke at one of his fellow one of his teammates expense about their sexual proclivity with sea life. That makes sense. Yeah, well, and, and the way they set this thing up, Michael, apparently Momoa had agreed to do it before they even started shooting the movie. So they shot him like right at the beginning. They didn't shoot them together. They shot him right at the beginning and they shot Ezra Miller later while he was doing Guardians of Galaxy Volume 3, Volume 3. So they used the Marvel people to shoot the Flash stuff. He says this in an interview in, in I think, Rolling Stone or Deadline. They used the Marvel. And he said because Marvel owed him because they shot uh, Mern, the actor who's playing Mern, his audition for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 using the DC people. So he felt like he was able to do that. I feel like only James Gunn could fucking get away with that. So somehow he did get away with that. What did you think about seeing the Justice? And he said we couldn't afford um, Superman. We couldn't afford Super McCabell, and we couldn't afford Gal Gadot. Uh, and he also said we couldn't use Batman or um, Cyborg. Cyborg because uh, he said I can't say too much. That's still being worked out is what he said in an interview. So what did you think about them showing up? And what do you think about the exchange? Both Peacemaker to them because does that mean everything peacemaker said about them was true uh and second do you think what did you think of the exchange between barry and arthur um i don't think it means that everything peacemaker said is true i think peacemaker's talking out of his ass half the time hey, but well. uh but i do think that i thought it was great i mean it was it was completely in keeping with the tone of the show like i yeah, think but- this is like it was it took it this is what James Gunn's tone is. And it was great to see them kind of show up and play ball. Like uh, I'm kind of like with you guys. Like I thought when like we, they turned and we saw like the silhouettes, I was like, oh, okay, that's a cute way to do it since they're not actually going to get them. Like at least we'll see them and we'll get this fun moment. Yeah. But then when you had like the uh, Ezra and Momoa moment, I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. But like, you know, I think that again, don't get mad at me. If you like the Zack Snyder movies, I am more than happy that you like the Zack Snyder movies. But I think that, what was great about even this little moment is this was a moment that wasn't self-serious. This was a moment that was just happy to take the piss out of everything. Like this was just a very, just like all of the Peacemaker as a series is. Um, And I think that there was just kind of a fun and silliness of this that was not a forced Joss Whedon, let me make sure that this isn't a Zack Snyder movie uh, lightness, which doesn't quite work. Um, and look, and I'm not saying, and you're, you're all going to say it in the comments, I'm not saying Zack Snyder didn't have jokes in his movie and there's some moments in, in Zack Snyder's Justice League that yes. work well. Like, I'm not yes. saying that everything is horrible and I hate every moment, but there was just a level of fun to this that was enjoyable and I would not mind seeing more of it. Oh, good. That's a very good admission from you. That's incredible uh, overall. And uh, one more thing to add about this. He said he didn't get permission in the interview. He didn't get permission to use the Just Lead characters from Warner Brothers before he wrote that into the script. He just submitted the scripts, and then they eventually that, – that's when they realized he really wanted to use them and apparently went all the way up the chain to the top people to decide how they were going to use them, and then he was allowed to get them to shoot that stuff. So, you know, pretty interesting how it all worked out. and. I mean, kudos to James Gunn, because I think that single that moment single-handedly allowed people to start to kind of, I hope, let go of this stuff and move forward, trusting that maybe Gunn will have more to say down the road about how the overall Justice League comes out. We shall see when they do it again, because you know they're going to do it again. And look, I love Zack Snyder's Justice League. For anybody who's going to comment, I would love for him to come back, but that is not in the tea leaves right now. 
in my opinion. Not that I don't want it to happen. I just don't see it happening. I don't right. want. I don't want it to happen. All right. You can take. <laughs> well, that. I'll do a quick pivot. Uh, <laughs> the, the 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 really smart thing about James Gunn about about that course of action yeah. is if you ask at the beginning, they're going to say no. Right. <laughs> if you put it. If you put it in the script and you don't bring it up and it's at the end when you <laughs> when you've already uh, you know gotten these folks on your side that they're excited about the project and you add this little button in at the end it, it, it's much much easier to ask for forgiveness than uh than than, than ask for permission that's true i also think uh, well also just really quickly though i think that uh, as far as the not asking permission and just writing the script, I think the Justice League moment is a really fun version of that. But right. I think the longer lasting, potentially longer lasting thing is what he did again, like I said earlier, with Amanda Waller. Like, I don't think, oh, like, yeah. you know, John says, John says, I think this was their plan all along. I do not think this was their plan all along. I think after Zack Snyder's <laughs> Justice League, Warner Brothers executives were like, well, what do we do? Well, maybe we don't. Well, we're not going to do a shared universe. Let's just tell everyone we're not doing a shared universe. And then. Everyone was like, well, now they're not doing a shared universe. That's dumb. They're like, well, maybe we're doing a shared universe. And you're like, well, so is Shazam the same universe as this? They're like, oh, we don't, maybe. Like, they literally just weren't going to answer the question until something happened. And then the Suicide Squad came out. Everyone, it was critically acclaimed. You know, box office didn't do what they hoped. Peacemaker, doing really great on HBO Max. We're getting a second season of that. Yeah. And for him to just like throw in here, oh, and then this is Amanda Waller's daughter and she outs her and now Amanda Waller has been outed. That is something that I, I think that Warner Brothers executives, HBO Max executives, they read the script and they don't think in terms of cinematic universes. Mm. I, I know that we all talk about it all day long and every geek listening to that is like, how, how could they not? They do not. I'm telling you, they do not. And so they read the script and like, that's cool. And it doesn't occur to them until like post The Flash, post all this stuff where you have a movie and you're like, well, if this is a connected universe, you know that like Amanda Waller, like it, it's going to take a James Gunn type mm. person to sit down and be like, guys, if you're going to do these movies, you can't, Amanda Waller was outed. You can't yeah. use it. And they're going to be like, oh, hey, okay, and so what should we do? Like that's, this is why you need a Kevin Feige type person or a Filoni type person. Or if James Gunn and some other really talented directors come in and become that kind of creative shepherd for DC, yeah. great. I think we'll look back on the Peacemaker series as the moment where James Gunn started to move up into people's estimation as someone who could be a Feige for DC. And there's a possibility here, especially if he kind of moves away from the movies and starts to focus on the TV shows. He'll have a little more time to be, quote, unquote, executive producer on DC theatrical features and then eventually maybe hopefully be in that position if he's willing to do it. And if it works for everybody to have a singular voice here kind of pushing it forward, we shall see. But I, I, I can't I, I, I just can't 100 percent accept your version of events. I have to believe that as rational thinking human beings, they would have considered the possibility of a shared universe down the road. But to, but they hedged their bets by saying we're not going to do a shared universe. But behind the scenes, they're like, let's see how people take it. And if we can line them up down the road, we'll line them up down the road. But for now, let's just say to the public, we're not doing shared universes. Because clearly we fucked that up. And let's just focus on one thing at a time. And then eventually it'll show itself. I want to believe that that's what happened. But, Michael, you're on the inside. You might know more than I, I do. Mean, so I, I defer to you. I, I will grant you that I think that, like, they didn't absolutely say no. Right. Like, I think they were, They. I think hedging their bets is the right way to put it. Like, I think that they, 
didn't want to commit to not doing a shared universe, but they yeah. also didn't want to commit to doing a shared universe, which is why you got a bunch of movies that kind of sort of were sort of maybe existed together, but didn't right. really connect in any kind of way. And again, I'm super happy for either way, but I do think that with Flash, with the announcements about Michael Keaton, with everything else they've been mm. talking about, I it does seem like they are leaning more towards one way. And then with everything that's happening in Peacemaker, uh, it continues to seem like they're leaning in that way. And honestly, like I'm happy for them to lean that way. Like I want them to figure it out. I want to see all these characters running around in a universe together. Yeah. If we don't get a Tom Cruise superior Iron Man, maybe we get the Tom Cruise Batman in another universe. I'm down with that. Um, Shannon, I'll swing back to you here as we're wrapping up. Um, what did you think about the finale here? We had, you know, as I mentioned, Vigilante jumping out of the window, kind of running off to be his own thing again. We have Harcourt have that moment with uh, with um, a peacemaker there with a the tear. He's been waiting for days. She says that. So is this a romance or is this just a very deep friendship? Um, also, we get her, uh, uh, um, sorry, Adebayo going back to see, uh, proudly walking back to reunite with his, with her wife. And then we have uh, Economos at Bell Reapers. I mean, to me, it's like you're gonna you're gonna be afraid of a kaiju, but then you're gonna go to Bell Reef for God's sakes. I mean, I feel like it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. So, what do you think about how they wrapped up all this at the end here? And then, what do you want to see in season two with these characters as we wrap up this spoiler review? I mean, I I, I hope they don't go the romance uh, okay. avenue with Harcourt and Peacemaker. I think I think. I think it's better for him as a character mm -hmm. to to continually develop respect for this person rather right. rather than it being a romantic a romantic relationship. Um, I mean, I, I think you guys are probably not that far off that Adebayo could be uh, a a Waller like character going forward. Um, maybe her and Economos actually, because yeah. Economos clearly, I mean, he's he's you know, setting up shop at Bell Rev. So, you know, he's, he's near where they would get all their task force X people. Um, and he loves, and he yeah. loves a PowerPoint presentation. He does. There it is. But yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought they wrapped everything up as, as well as a series can be wrapped up. I love the fact that vigilante leaked up or leapt out the window. I thought that was fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've texted about this uh, uh, earlier, but it's like rewind the clock two months and to think that we're having this glowing conversation about yeah. Peacemaker and, and having a more uh, a, a more muted conversation about the Book of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. This was certainly not something I predicted at all, but uh, was certainly happy to go along the ride. I mean, it was a really, really great series and hopefully... Um, is a forecast of what James Gunn is going to bring to DC in the future. Yeah. And if we focus on out of bio taking over for Waller, we essentially can see how someone could end up as Waller. We may see out of bio have to confront certain decisions in season two, have to do certain things to, for the overall greater good. And we may start to understand, although we're presented with this version of Amanda, Amanda Waller already finished, we can start to see how someone could become Amanda Waller through a series of little decisions step by step along the way in the process, which could give us a deeper understanding of this, of what it's like to be taken over a situation like this. Michael, what'd you think of the finale, how they wrapped up all these storylines here and then uh, for them right in this last few minutes. And of course we had that post credit scene, which was really funny, but the overall stuff here. And then what do you want to see in season two? 
Um, yeah, like Shannon said, I thought that it was really lovely the way that we like just touched on each character and kind of saw where they were and what was going on. And then to have that moment at the very end where, uh, you know, Peacemaker's sitting there, he pours out the yeah. nectar for Goth, and then his dad just sits down next to him, and he just has this look on his face like, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> you know, they did a really nice job of kind of giving us closure on everyone without fully closing the door. Every single one of these, like whether it's like a hardcore peacemaker, what's going on here? What is Economos doing? What's going to happen next without a bio? Right. Peacemaker is still fucked up about his dad. Like they left, uh, even a uh, judo master is real, real upset. He's still got oh. his fiery Cheetos, but yes, he's real he upset about what happened to the, uh, what yeah. happened to the butterfly. So everyone has a stake in this continued game. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you really kind of look at, what Gunn did with Peacemaker in the Suicide Squad and really what this whole show is about is like Peacemaker as a character is the worst uh, the worst parts of America American exceptionalism mm-hmm. uh, he is the uh, I stand for truth justice in the American way and that is what's right and if you don't agree with me I will shoot you in the face uh, is really what he boils down to or what he boiled down to as a character at least at the beginning of this and even the stuff with him and Rick Flagg like he had an idea of what he thought was right yeah. Goff and the Butterflies had an idea about what they thought was right. Adebayo, as a character, her journey was what is right. Mm-hmm. And so as we go into this next season with sort of the uh, implosion of Task Force X and Goff still being alive and Peacemaker sort of doing stuff, I think I think James Gunn has more to say about right, wrong, yeah. morality, patriotism, um, anti-science, like, like clearly he set up a thing where even though Peacemaker, he kind of says it to Adebayo at the end, he looks at her, he's like, did I just kill the earth? Mm, right. And I think that even though Goff's tactics were wrong, the idea of we should steer um, or the earth towards maybe not destroying ourselves because of climate change, not a bad idea. And so I think that just like you guys were saying about Adebayo trying to be like, well, how, what happens on the road to trying to do be a better Amanda Waller, do you just become Amanda Waller? Yeah. Um, yeah. And as Peacemaker is navigating, well, he, he's been a villain. He was on Task Force X. If he's going to be a hero, what kind of hero does that make him? What does Goff do? Like, I think each one of these characters has a stake in what does doing the right thing even really mean? Mm-hmm. And if Gunn's going to use Peacemaker Season 2 to have be an exploration about that, like I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I love the way they wrapped it up. Great points, Mike and Shannon. Absolutely agree with my two esteemed colleagues with all their points. I I enjoyed the way they wrapped everything up. I mean, hardcore doing the physical therapy. I think that was a really nice thing to see that she's progressing. She's getting stronger. She's determined to kind of be in a better position down the road. And I love the interaction with uh, Adebayo and uh, and Peacemaker there where he says, you know, don't tell V, but aside from Eagerly, you're my best friend. Well, that's a so really sweet. sweet moment, right? Such a beautiful, sweet moment. So you see that he's growing. So he may represent the worst parts of America, but he also represents the best parts of America, which is progress, which is change, which is now he does. Yeah, you know? well, that's what I'm saying. Now yeah. he does, right? And he did an well. I think he symbolizes America. America started out kind of not so great sometimes. Now a little more progressive, a little more uh, uh, understanding the situations and understanding the history for why they were that way at the beginning you know the stuff with his dad all the kkk stuff the white supremacy all that nonsense yeah those are the things why he was that way but he is learning he's growing as we have done mostly for the most part progressively change going forward as a country although we would like more progress some of us certainly but i like that that's there kind of bubbling under the surface throughout and in season two 
I'm looking forward to more of these conflicts and more of these questions, because as you both pointed out, we don't have real strong resolution for Peacemaker. He's sitting there still throwing bombs into cars with vigilante like he's still a 10-year-old but or 12-year-old, but and then sits back down with Eagly dropping that possum or squirrel or whatever, but his dad is still next to him. And that combination of kind of melancholy and a little bit of, I don't know what to do here, we're still dealing with the PTSD of him committing patricide. How is that going to, you know, kind of color the things he does in season two? So I'm very excited for all the stories and who is going to show up in season two to be the antagonist or to be the new characters involved in this. I'm looking forward to it very, very much. So yeah, um, I would, I would love to see, I would, I would love to see a ghost Rick flag moment. <laughs> yeah. Joe Kinnaman showing back up. That I would want, be great. I, want, I think a ghost Rick flag moment to like fuck with peacemakers head. I wouldn't mind if Harley Quinn popped in to say, Hey, cause every world could use a little bit more Harley Quinn. Sure. Uh, yeah. And I do think, yeah, if they, if they do go down this task force X and what is task force X going to even be now that the world knows about it, yeah. it does open up the possibility for some really, really fun cameos and some fun moments. So also, also guaranteed that given the success of Peacemaker season two gets a nice enough budget that they can really maybe bring oh, yeah. in some big names. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, which will be a whole new challenge for James Gunn, for sure, in this situation. I mean, Will Smith is a possibility. There's all kinds of possibilities here when you're looking at that uh, uh, that uh, Bell, Rev, Bell Rev, as, as Shannon said. Uh, all right, well, thank you all so much for watching this spoiler review of the finale and the last few episodes here of Peacemaker. Let us know what you thought of season one down below. Oh, I'm taking you guys thunder. Here, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? Hey, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies, on Instagram at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung, on Instagram at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow Mr. Vogel, it is at MKToon. If you would like to follow Mr. Roca, it is at the Roca Says. Mike? Well, like John was just saying... If you I'm would sorry. like to leave your comments below, please do it because we like to hear what you guys thought about everything. So what did you guys think about Peacemaker and what do you guys want to see in season two? Uh, also, even though John took my thunder, I... you should still you should still hit the like button below and you should still subscribe to his page because he has amazing content here that you guys should check out. Not just Geek Buddies, lots of other stuff as well. So definitely check that out. Um, and if you are listening to us on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere podcasts are available, take a quick minute to leave us some stars and some comments because it helps us go up in the rankings so more people can find us. And as always, retweet this video, post it on your socials, and tell all of your buddies to check out The Geek Buddies. Absolutely, absolutely. And if you haven't subscribed to our podcast, please do so. We want to get our numbers up. If you haven't subscribed, go and subscribe. You just download the episodes and delete them. As soon as you download them, delete them. You don't even have to listen to them. The fact that you download them, oh. that helps us out. Well, I mean, Whoa. yes, you can still listen to them, of course. But if you've already enjoyed us on YouTube, just, I'm saying so. Just go and subscribe just, is what I'm basically Just getting. keep them on your phone. Just scroll through them. Check them out once in a while. That's fine. That's fine. Say That's hey. True. Just say Take hey. Us along we miss you. you. That's for sure. Uh, yo, and big shout out to Carbon Health again. Thank you so much for powering and sponsoring the Geek Buddies and the Outlaw Nation. They're amazing people. Please go. If you've got any kind of issues going on with you, physical issues, any kind of health issues going on, even mental health issues, please head on over there to CarbonHealth.com. See all the um, uh, resources they have available to you. they got 90 clinics in 14 states, virtual care in 24 states. So all kinds of uh, access you will have to their health care because they believe 
that healthcare should be accessible to everyone. And they have three pillars of healthcare that they follow and they uh, put in practice very strongly and they want to help you. If you want to get tested for COVID, if you're going overseas, all of that is available to the to you and mental health stuff will be available very soon if it's not already available now. So head on over there, carbonhealth.com, get it handled and uh, take care of it. And thank you so much for watching or listening to this spoiler review for the finale of Peacemaker from the Geek Buddies! Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.